weird, obscure, impossibly unsafe. Uh, hey everybody, it's been a long time since we recorded last, yeah, and we have our first guest episode. We're here with our friend Justin from the horror business. What's up, Justin? What up? What up, yes. indeed? Welcome. We're so we're so happy and excited to have you. With and us. I'm 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 priv- honored and privileged <laughs> to be here. Don't tell don't tell my co-hosts, but horror business is like maybe my favorite show on Cinepunks. So yeah, that's that's, oh, that's that's how it goes. <laughs> you don't want us to know. anyways moving on uh (laughs) well because we're also a a show on cinepunk so you guys know Um, yeah yeah we knew that okay great uh how's everybody doing this week we've been we've taken like two months off almost or like a month and a half or something yeah unplanned unplanned i just said i was adamant i will edit this i will edit this i will do it and then uh you know what i don't know what to blame it on like I've, I've, I've felt more busy than I have actually ever, but I actually like am not Fortnite, Fortnite, maybe yeah, blame, Fortnite. It on, blame it on the hat man. It's the hat man. And our last episode was Slenderman, And the whole time we were talking about how there was technology issues and Slenderman interferes with like, he can make you sick and there's just might be psychological it. damage that he can cause you. And your technology, so. That's what it is. So blame our month and a half hiatus on uh, some sort of Black Lodge conspiracy or on Slenderman making sure that the truth does not get out to you. Exactly. But we'll overcome. Yeah. We'll get it out to you. Presumably it has been gotten out to you by the time you're hearing this. Hopefully. <laughs> so how are you doing, Justin? Uh, I'm hanging in there. It's uh, Thursday. I just left work an hour ago and I'm back here already. So it feels this like there's this weird hellish, like I'm never getting <laughs> out of here, but you know, <laughs> you know, I'm excited to talk about shit that scares the hell out of me and has been for years at this point. So, so this is the thing you, so when we first joined Cinepunks and I told Liam that we're just doing a show that's literally like the, the, the sort of criterion for what we'll cover is it's weird that's it it's just weird shit and then um he was like i know the guy that you have to talk to <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he sent me your way justin and he said you know he justin has to be the first guest on your show i mean i won't say it's a point of pride that i'm the go-to weirdo in cinepunks when it comes to like weird paranormal shit but i can't pretend that you know liam that liam's instinct was wrong <laughs> so i mean i do i i i only have three books with me today i actually i think i pulled out 11 from my we'll call it my library sure. um and i was like ah, i don't want to bring all these like i'll just bring the essential ones down and i was like holy shit how fucking pathetic is it is that there there i i have essential texts for this phenomenon and i was just like ah fuck it i'm bringing three anything else like it doesn't matter i love it that's incredible we don't do that much research i think that i mean you've read some books Um, i've never read a book for this episode or for this podcast (laughs) 
I started yeah. three different books. I'm like 20, maybe like 50 pages into Dracula. And, oh, that's um, a good one. I started reading this other book by Jillian Flynn. And I don't know which one. They're all like dark spaces or right. secret spaces. Spaces. <laughs> yeah, it's always like two words and one of them is dark. Today we're talking about the hat man. Dun, dun, dun. What the hell is that, Justin? Uh, well, it depends on who you ask. If you ask, and when you ask them. If you ask me right now, I'll say, well, you know, it's like a, a sleep paralysis thing that people see. And it's, you know, it's spooky, but it's speak par- sleep paralysis. Ask me about five hours um, when I'm like lying awake in bed in the fucking silence of a post-midnight Easton PA. And I'll shush you because I don't want to talk about it because it scares me too bad. Um, but essentially, it's a phenomenon that people see, um, similar to the shadow people, which I guess we should tell what the shadow people are because it's like... We'll cover yeah, that. Shadow- we'll cover yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, it's a, just a phenomenon um, that people report seeing. Uh, it's kind of at... I don't want to say the cultural forefront because I don't think it was this like widely... Like, I don't think that the Amazon Prime documentary was, like, some, uh, like, Game of Thrones level. It wasn't, like, people, like, at the water cooler, like, yeah, right. so I watched the hat, man. I got some theories. But, um, yeah, it's just this idea about this figure that people see, and uh, it's just fucking terrifying, and it sucks. That's what. It so, basically, the gist is you're asleep, and you wake up, and you notice a silhouette of a giant man in a hat, in a wide-brimmed hat, just sort of standing over you at night. Yeah. That's... But usually, but there are times when it's like broad daylight, when you're wide awake. Uh, There have been times when we'll talk about some of the, you know, these aren't always entirely visual encounters that that people have with these. I guess we'll get there when we talk about shadow people, but... um, dealing with these things seems to be a uniquely upsetting experience that uh, the only thing I've ever heard or read about that's it's similar to, and I kind of have a theory about why it's similar to it, um, is when people, re- people record some of the, people talk about some of the less, um, like the alien abductions that aren't Richard Dreyfus at the end of Closing Encounters of the Third Kind. They're like the alien abductions where the person doesn't make it back to Earth in one piece to talk about it. It's sort of like uniquely upsetting in that way. Like these people have this very deep, primitive fear that these things cause in them um, that goes beyond just like being afraid. It's, 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 a, it's a far deeper... Um, I would say it's almost like a... Um, when I say racial memory, I don't mean like racialism and like ethnic group. I mean, racialism, like humanity has a deep seated reaction to these things. And, um, the fact that more than one person has talked about the phenomenon in that way makes it, uh, there's something there. Um, I'm not, I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying it's, an external phenomenon that these people are witnessing. I'm saying 
that even the even the fear that it that these people are experiencing is enough to make me afraid. Yes. So what is it about fedoras that scares the human race? <laughs> these are these are not <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. man throwing shade you just wake up in the middle of the night and there's this guy standing above you and he goes you know that rise of skywalker sucked because uh, <laughs> oh, i'm sorry the last jedi fucking sucked <laughs> get the out of your hat man uh, <laughs> but I, I know they have wide brim hats not a fedora but uh, I, just... I, bl- I believe they're they're, they're uh, i think they're called homburg hats Oh, it's like the old timey. Uh, because I was looking into this, like is like there, a bowler, uh, wider than a bowler. Okay. Although bowlers, ever since the Haunting of Hill House, the the the, the silhouette of the bowler hat is also inappropriate and uh, very stressful. Yeah. Yes. I, there's just something about that silhouette of the wide hat. Um, I mean, you can't say it's like a cultural thing. Like, you can't say it's this, like, primitive thing that reaches deep down inside of you, like, the way that, like, every single person on some level is afraid of snakes because all of us who are alive are alive because our ancestors were like, stay the fuck away from snakes. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But there's something about that silhouette with the wide-brimmed hat that, for whatever reason, strikes a chord within people, myself included. I, it's, it's upsetting. It's very upsetting to look at. Well, I mean, you were you were talking before we hit record. You were talking about the uh, the scene in in uh, Gretel and Hansel. Horrifying, absolutely horrifying. So, can fucking you describe scary. it real quick? Um, it sucks. It's shitty. <laughs> you know, it's not a good time. Like, no, it's like it's like there's it, it's like this. Um, so this the, the Gretel and Hansel movie that came out. Like, there's an opening scene. Spoilers for a movie that came out like a year ago, but it's like the witch they explain her origins when she was like a baby, her father, she got sick. I'm, I'm horribly potching this guy, but I only saw this movie once. I think she's like dying and her dad is like, um, I'm going to take her to this thing that lives on the outskirts of our territory in the hopes that it can cure my child. And when they go there, you think like it's going to be a witch, like in a fucking funky house. Um, that's weird. And instead it's, it's in an empty pyramid. Like there's a, like a, like a pyramid made out of like beams on the top of a hill, which oh, right I there. I hate that. I hate that. Which right there is like, there's something that's like so weird about that. And then it's just, it, it's like a vaguely feminine silhouette, but not really. It's more like uh, androgynous and aquiline dressed all in black. And it has this like, like it's it's not entirely featureless. Like when I say dressed all in black, like it literally has, like a skin tight black mask on, like a black gown, and then it has this like weird wide brimmed hat. So what you're seeing is essentially it's forced in the silhouette because it's all in black, and the way it moves, um, the way it, the way you can't tell if it's looking at you, I guess. Right. Is uh, Again, I keep going back to this idea of it just hits something deep inside of us that like goes beyond everyday fears. Right. But um, yeah, there's just something that's like uh, esoterically threatening about the way it looks. If that makes I, sense. Anna Maria just pulled up a, a still from that scene. And some, I mean, <clears throat> I just want to say uh, the witch is amazing, or not the witch, sorry, 
Gretel and Hansel is amazing in like the set design and stuff. Yes, yes. And the way that like the architecture is like some of it is like weirdly modern and brutalist and like yeah. geometrical in a way that's like really uncanny. And this just like triangular frame on top of this hill is just like so ugh, no, it's, spooky it, to me. It, it's it's like something out of Lovecraft. It's alien. Yeah, yeah it's it, alien. It's, where it's like you can you can ascribe a sinister um, and malicious intent to architecture. Like you can say, oh, these angles are threatening. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Like how can an angle have like ominous and ill will? Ominous right. intent and ill will. And then you see this and you're like, that angle will kill me if you give him the chance. Yeah. <laughs> The same with the fedora, I guess. Exactly. With the wide-brimmed hat. I feel like, um, too, with the wide-brimmed hat in particular, like, when I think of that hat, I think of, like, detective or, like, like noir. Dick Tracy? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Where it's, like, there's a certain amount of, like, mystery and, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like, like, the wanting to be, like, incognito and out of sight and, like, uh that's really i don't know like there's something not forthcoming about that it's well, mysterious that's, the, 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 <laughs> when when um what was his name it wasn't gray barker it wasn't john keel the guy who brought the idea of the modern men in black the modern men in black mm-hmm. the men in black to us the men in black originally had these fedora hats they were dressed like um like fbi agents at the time mm-hmm. um and I, I, I think it might, it might be like kind of folded in with that in the sense that when all this was coming to light and all this was starting to uh, be inserted into like the zeitgeist, I guess, our idea of like threatening authority figures had these wide-brimmed hats. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also like um, there was a period of time when like gangsters wore wide-brimmed hats. Um, although to the best of my knowledge, the hat man does not wear a zoot suit. So I don't think like, that's threatening. Um, <laughs> But I, I think what it might be is just like, as Americans, and I do think this is like a uniquely American experience with the hat man, or I could be wrong, when we see the wide-brimmed hat, there's that part of us that goes to threatening authority figure. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I feel like I can definitely see how that would be a threat, especially if it's more modern. Is that some... I, when I first learned about the Hat Man, which was just a few moments ago, oh. I pictured it being like something that had um, been, pre- been prevalent, like the hat and everything, um, for centuries. Because, w- you know, knowing about the old hag figure, and maybe yes. that's where it adapted from. Yeah. Um, and the old hag figure is basically that, um, like a witch like or a crone like woman, um, or even like a demon creature that sits on your chest um which is associated with sleep paralysis also or it can be standing next to your bed and i just didn't know if they were two completely separate things or if it was like an adaptation into the the new one what like what we're afraid of in the 20th and the 21st century is authority and i I mean i think uh, i i think we can just go ahead and 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 kind of get into the meat of it and 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 what it uh what I uh, intellectually, with all my reasonable mind, want to think is that um, that this is an image. This is the result of sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. Now, let me be clear. I don't think that makes it any less scary. Uh, just because there's not like an external 
entity that's impinging upon us. Um, if if the seeing this thing is a result of a physiological malfunction in the brain, to me, that's just as scary, if not scarier, than like, oh shit, some interdimensional de- demon is stalking me. Well, I took... I took, I was a psych major in undergrad, so I took some classes that I learned about um, sleep disorders, and um, I just found them super interesting, but I'm no way an expert. So you are an expert. I'm just going to go ahead and say you took a course, you're an expert. (laughs) Sure. We'll go to that. You have more formal training in this than any of us. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, I can start by just by saying what sleep paralysis is, if you guys want to hear the definition. I would love to. So I read an article that was a systematic review of sleep studies um, in a research paper called Lifetime Prevalence Rates of Sleep Paralysis, a a Systemic Review. Um, It was done by Brian Sharpless and Jacques Barber, um, and it was used to determine the lifetime prevalence rates of sleep paralysis, and they also kind of defined it in there as well. Um, So they... Their definition of sleep paralysis is a discrete period of time during which voluntary muscle movement is inhibited, so you can't move, but eye and respiratory movement are, movements are intact. So you can move your eyes and you can breathe and you can change, change your breathing patterns, but you can't speak and you can't move. So during this time, one's senses are working, but movement is stopped. Um, and if you're wondering how common sleep paralysis is uh it really depends on um you as a person and there's um it's slightly more common for certain people um through aggregating information across 35 different studies they concluded that the data shows that about eight percent of the general population experiences sleep paralysis at least once in their life Um, and that number is higher for people who are considered students so i'm assuming that's college students who you know participated in the study because those are commonly known um, subjects of um, a lot of academic papers, it increases even further to about 32% of people who are psychiatric patients. So between 8% and 32% of people have experienced at least one episode of sleep paralysis. Of psychiatric psychiatric patients who have panic disorders, they have a prevalence of about 35% of lifetime sleep paralysis. So that's yeah, recurring sleep paralysis throughout your life. So there is a relationship between um, having panic disorders, which are basically, um, they're similar to like um, anxiety disorders, but involve like, um, you know, panic conditions where like, you know, people who are afraid to leave their house or um, just really, really high anxiety, or they could have PTSD or something along those lines. Um, so they're much more likely to have sleep paralysis, which makes sense because sleep paralysis is such a high, highly intense situation and right. you're extremely, uh, like, your arousal level is through the roof and it's terrifying. Now, does it, is it broken down at all by, like, um, like men and women, any age groups? Is there anything like that where it's more prevalent than others? Um, I'm... Did not see that part. I mean, I, I didn't read it super thoroughly, just kind of doing like a skim for the, you know, the neat facts that I thought, but I didn't see that. But there is, it is more prevalent in people who are not white, particularly um, African Americans. So they're more likely to experience sleep paralysis in their life. Um, and 
it's also more likely to happen if you fall asleep on your back facing upwards, which is that's creepy because sleep. that's how I yeah. slept last night. I sleep, I sleep mo- on my stomach for this reason. Yeah, yes. I sleep face down with my face in the pillow. Yeah, the- It's the most, I sleep standing up, so I'm ready at all times. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask, uh, have any of you experienced sleep paralysis? Um, I haven't, but, well, knock on wood because that would ruin my fucking year (laughs) i have a few anecdotes that i've i've gathered from other people i know who these are like the ones where like because like this is kind of like sleep paralysis it's not so much anymore but there was a minute when everyone in their fucking everyone had it and it's kind of like that thing do you remember when there was the one the one season of um american horror story where like the poster was like a girl with all these like holes in her face. And they were like, Oh, it's a, there's, there's some made up phobia where people are afraid of like tiny holes. Oh, it's like trick to something phobia. I don't think it's not right, but suddenly like, suddenly everyone was like, Oh, it's affecting my trick to phobia. And I'm like, first off, that's not a real thing at all. Secondly, (laughs) even if you don't have it. So there have been three people who have told me about, sleep paralysis encounters that have kind of that have stuck with me um the first one was a friend of uh cinepunks in horror business um amy she does a podcast called the final girls uh she was on the episode of horror business when we talked about alien abduction movies because um there is a not entirely discredited theory that the same physiological phenomenon behind the shadow people and the hat man is also responsible for what they call in the science world non-humanoid abduction encounter or non-human entity encounters. Um, Amy used to say that she would have these moments where she would wake up in the middle of the night, unable to move, and she would be laying on her side, looking at the wall. And she said it would sound like there was people milling around her room, and that there ah. was an, and, no. Oh, it gets worse. It gets worse. It gets so much worse. And that there was an old woman in her closet mumbling in a language that she couldn't understand. That's so scary. These stories are so scary. (laughs) That bears repeating. There was a old woman in her closet mumbling possibly a, a, a chant or a spell. So there's that. Um, and then, I hate this. All right, oh, no, 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 no. It gets, so then uh, kind of semi-recently, my friend Amanda um, texted me. This was maybe, uh, I want to say like early spring. Um, she texted me and she was like, can I tell you something? And can you promise not to freak out about it? And I was like, well, no, because I get upset about everything, but you can tell me. She's like, um, I keep seeing a man in my room. Or a man in the hallway. And I was like, okay, have you like, I mean, she lives like kind of in like a rough part of town. So I'm like, are you sure? Like, it's not like someone actually fucking with you. And she's like, no, because like every night he's there, I wake up and I see him and he has this horrible hunched over body. And every night he gets closer to my bed. Oh no. What happens when he reaches the bed? I don't know. It gets, oh it, it gets it gets shitty when he reaches the bed. Let's just say that. Yeah. So I, I, I'm like, this entire conversation is going going over through text. After I picked my phone up from across the room when I threw it out of fear, I texted. I was like, well, you know, it's probably not like um, 
Uh, it's probably not like a ghost. I'm like trying to be cool about it. Again, it's not a ghost. It's not a, it's not a phase four free-floating phantasm. Um, <laughs> I'm like, you're probably experiencing sleep paralysis. And she had said, she was like, no, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that it's like something that's out to get me. Like, I think it's all in my own head. And that's when I said earlier, like, that's scary to me. And she was like, what do I do? And I'm like, Go see a sleep doctor, maybe? Smoke your own body weight in marijuana before you go to bed so you're just fucking cooling the gang. Um, <laughs> so I just, like, gave her my advice and then never brought it up ever again. And I'm just like, I, I don't see it, so it's not real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then That's so scary. Sometimes. My, my last, like, secondhand experience with this was... Um, oh, also what's funny about that is when I, when, when I told her, it's probably not like... A, like a like an actual thing she she asked me are you upset and i was like i mean it's a little creepy she goes this is why i didn't want to tell you because i knew you'd get upset about shit like this Um, so um my friend kelly lives out in la and we actually it was when i was telling her about this like the next day i was like fucking amanda texted me so there's a fucking guy in a room it's hunched over it's the fucking weird dude from night of living dead what the fuck she's seen this shit um kelly was telling me like her first boyfriend in college when they like first started talking, um, he, when things were like, getting serious, he had like, you know, she was like, oh, is it okay if I like sleep over? If, is it okay if I crash here instead of going back to my apartment tonight? And he's like, it's fine, but please understand that like, I have this, like I have the tendency to have like night terrors and sleep paralysis. So just like, if you're not a deep sleeper, I might wake you up in the middle of the night, but just like, it, it's not like, just understand that it's whatever. So she's like, okay, that's fine. So then like a few nights later, she's sleeping over there. And at like three in the morning, he like wakes her up. And he's like, Kelly, wake up. She's like, what is it? And he's like, there's something in the corner looking at me. No. And she's like laying there. And she said, she was like, I, I know he, it was all in his head. I know it was like sleep paralysis. But like the certainty and the fear in his voice was so compelling and so contagious that she was like, I'll take your word for it. I'm not going to roll over and look in the corner. So then like the next day, the, oh, next, no. the, the next day they're like having breakfast and um, he's like, Hey, yeah. So like, sorry about that. I, you know, I, I woke up last night. She's like, yeah. Could you just do me a favor? And next time you wake up and that happens, don't fucking wake me up. Cause I don't need to know about it. <laughs> That's so scary. But that last one sounded more like a night terror because a yes. night terror, you can move. And I was listening to a podcast and I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it was basically like people s- s- telling stories. And one of them was um, where this, this woman had experienced night terrors for many years and they, she is full on like asleep, but whoops, I knocked my microphone. She's full on asleep, but she's, it's like not technically called sleeping because the, the brainwaves aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing when you're sleeping or even when you're dreaming. But she's standing up, her eyes are open, but she's just not there like she's yelling about like the the bed is a boat and the boat is sinking and she's trying to pull her husband onto the boat and he's just like sick and tired of like he just wants to sleep for once in his life because she's always like waking up in the middle of the night screaming that to me sounds like so difficult to handle right. i don't i don't know how people cope with that but i i, I love how you made it sound like his, her husband was just like god damn it like, <laughs> like in reality like if my if i woke up and she was like the boat it's sinking but get on the bed i would lose my fucking mind 
<laughs> well, I, I have two things. First of all, some some news for all of you and, and every, anyone listening to this. Apparently, knowing about sleep paralysis makes you more likely to experience it. I hate this fact. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I knew this was about and, sleep paralysis, my stomach dropped because yep. I knew, like, like I, I and, live on my own. <laughs> uh, and I have two firsthand accounts of sleep paralysis. Oh, God. One is they're very, very different. So the first time I ever experienced it, I didn't know anything about it. I had never heard of it before. And basically what happened is I was sleeping on a couch and I, my eyes woke up or like my mind woke up, but my body didn't wake up. It was kind of weird. And I felt like I was literally being pinned down by something I couldn't see. So I didn't hallucinate anything, but I, but, but I felt like I was actually being crushed. Like my whole body was being crushed into the couch. And I, I heard without hearing, I kind of like sensed this really, really intense screeching and screaming. And it felt like a vortex. It kind of feels like, like, um, like when you're losing your hearing, right. When you're about to pass out or something. Like I'm not in, familiar with that. Like in Harry Potter, when the Dementors are getting him, and then he hears his mom scream, "Harry!" and then he faints. <laughs> that part. That's no, what I'm picturing. No, not like it. It wasn't a literal like vocal screaming. It was just this this sense of the air being filled with screams, and I did not know about sleep paralysis. I woke up, and then when I woke up very quickly everything was normal or like I got out of it and everything was normal, but like I was terrified and like my heart was beating real fast. And I was like, what the fuck just happened to me? Like, I'm like certain that I was just attacked by some demonic entity or something like that. And then I started doing some research and I learned about sleep paralysis and, and like all of my symptoms, like were exactly lined up with it. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's what it is. <laughs> it's still terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Now, the second one is much uh, cheerier. It's, it's more interesting. Oh, it's not more interesting, but it, I, I like to think about it more. Um, <laughs> and it's when I was trying to learn how to lucid dream, which I, which I try to do every once in a while, and I can never do it. But there's a really, um, a really important stage of like hypnagogy, which basically is like when you start to see patterns in your eyes and you start to fall asleep. Like if you can hold your attention through that part of falling asleep, then you're more likely to be able to stay awake as your body falls asleep and then lucid dream. I, I was not prepared though for the sleep paralysis part, which is part of falling asleep, right? Your body kind of stops moving yeah, and you can't move it. And, um, but it, but it, because I knew what was happening, it wasn't, um, and because I felt in control of what was happening and I was inviting what was happening, it wasn't scary at all. It was very interesting. It just felt like my body was getting really heavy and it was kind of pleasant. It felt like you were sort of sinking down in a really nice, comfortable way. Um, cause you're relaxing. I mean, you're falling asleep. Uh, and that was, that was much more, um, Pleasant? I'll say, yeah, very pleasant. Um, really experiencing going into sleep paralysis, um, not waking up in sleep paralysis. So 
that's interesting you say that. Um, I One of the other facts that I, I read from the article I was just telling you about is that um, between 90 and 69% of the time, nice. um, sleep paralysis is full of fear. But then there's that other like 10 to 30% that's not. And I was like, what? I wonder what that's like if it's going to be f- just relaxing or if maybe instead of a hat man, there's like a puppy or something. I don't know. It's like but, a feeling of transcendence. It's like yeah. a feeling. It's like a feeling of being like, like it expanding awareness, expanding consciousness, stuff like mm-hmm. that. I mean, it, it's it's the two sides of every part of spiritual stuff, right? There's the possibility of the angelic and the transcendent and the beautiful and the and the and the good. And then there's the flip side, the possibility of the demonic the infernal, the, the evil. Right. Um, and when we get in these States, I mean, when you talk to people who do psychedelics and have good trips and talk to people who do psychedelics and have bad trips, it's the same thing. It's mirrored in every, all of these sort of, um, uh, modes of, of sort of transcendent consciousness or however you want to think about it. Um, but anyways, well, I mean, both of you did talk about the pretty common symptoms, um, and hallucination characteristics that are common in sleep paralysis. And I just want to mention a few of them because they're utterly terrifying. Um, So being unable to speak or move, that's pretty notable. Hearing humming, hissing, static, hissing, hissing, zapping, buzzing. So it could sound like bugs are around you or something. Hearing whispering, hearing voices, hearing roars. I'm not sure what that one is about. That's interesting. Um, Um, And I promise this is a quick interjection. Go ahead. So the only time that I have kind of experience something like sleep paralysis so i like i sleep on my stomach every single night <laughs> you uh, got to yeah you have to yeah exactly it's the only way to protect yourself it will but, tonight that's for sure <laughs> oh yes that's a percent um but i was i was on my stomach and i was about to fall asleep and i heard what sounded like i mean it's really hard to describe it's kind of like a roar but like if you threw some static in there and also like something was sucking the air out of everything that's what i'm talking about with yeah. the screams it's really difficult to describe but it's a combination of like because it's this... not an external sound right it's something actually going on in your ears right it sounds you know? like a demon is screaming in your ear yes it's... thank you yeah it's like when roland of gilead in the dark tower they were encountering a thinny and they had to, he had to put the bullets. Am I the only one here who's read the fucking Dark Tower? I haven't read the Dark Tower. I have not read it either. It's oh on my, my list. God. There's going to be one listener out there who knows oh. exactly I'm still what you're working talking through about. This puppy. What's that? The, the stand. stand. Oh, on side. Or, oh, good. Good man. Good man. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Melissa. Go ahead. No, um, I'm glad you added that because I feel like sometimes it's hard to know if you're in that in-between state which is kind of one of the theories about like what sleep paralysis is like maybe it's just an overlap between two stages of sleep um so i'm glad you described it because sometimes it's just like are you relaxing or are you immobile yeah well Um, it definitely wasn't relaxing but what was interesting is i felt like right after it happened i just went right into i was like oh that's weird and then like passed out (laughs) (laughs) all right one other sign or common symptom that i thought was kind of scary is a fear of looking at a human face or looking at faces. Yes, yes. Um, Because I don't know if this has to do with just like being afraid of the threat or like it being unknown. Um, And I think in some stories about sleep paralysis that I've heard of, it's like feeling like you're unable to look at the face or there is no face. Um, I don't know if that's something you guys have experienced or heard about. 
Uh, one of the things I came across was that um, because the part, the part of the human, the part of the brain that recognizes patterns um, in sleep paralysis, you become like hypervigilant because it literally feels like it's, it, it's a very like um, uh, the, like a predator, uh, fight or flight. Yeah. And no, no, yeah, it's, the, it's the same thing where you feel like um, as I, I've had, uh, I, I suffer from panic attacks and when they're at their worst, one of the symptoms is that I'm in danger right now. Someone or something is trying to kill me. It's not paranoia like they're out to get me. It's deeper than that. It's like, I need to leave here right now. I need to get in my car and if possible, get like under my car where whatever it is can't get me. Um, but one of the things about this hypervigilance is that there's apparently part of the brain that when it comes to recognizing patterns, it becomes so like, it becomes so hyper aware, it like kind of trips over itself. And it's like, if you see, if you see like a face, your brain kind of like puts in there what it expects to see. So a lot of times these faces that people see, it's like, the way I pictured it was that like really fucking stupid horror movie trope with the big eyes and the gaping jaw, only real and terrifying. Where it's like, it's not like necessarily uh, like these hyper exaggerated features. It's just, they look inhuman because your brain is filling in the blanks where there's nothing there. And you're already like panicked as all hell and it, it just makes it worse. That's so interesting. Because yeah. I know there's that, like you were saying, the fight, flight, freeze, or whatever the other F is, um, you know, for protecting yourself, like your mind goes into that hyper, what, you know, the called in the Wikipedia article I read, um, threat hypervigilance, um, to protect yourself, you're hyper aware, and you're just, I didn't know that you would skip over certain patterns like faces and things. Yeah, um, you would just, you just, it's, it's sort of like you get, uh, it's like you're so jazzed up that it, it just, you become almost irrational. In the, yeah. in, 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 the, in the process of becoming like, I have to be on guard, you become completely like overwhelmed with, with everything. Yeah. yeah. And that makes sense. Like why people would experience like similar reactions, like this hyper, um, uh, hyper arousal, um, hyper sensitivity um, during that state of, of being so anxious during sleep paralysis, like similar to like a panic attack when you're um, in, like when you're awake. Yeah, yeah. So scary. Um, two other things just wanted to mention. Intense emotions of fear and panic, and we kind of just talked about that. Like you're in that um, that intense hypervigilant mode um, where your adrenaline's pumping and you're just kind of trying to survive, probably in part because you're unable to move and that's scary. Like that's one of the reasons why they think that might happen. Or um, because of the content of what you're seeing or hallucinating is being really scary, like the and also like what you're experiencing with those strange noises. Um, people also experience pressure on their chest and difficulty breathing, as well as feelings of being dragged out of bed, flying, numbness, feelings of electric tingles or vibrations running through their body. And the last one, which relates to Hatman, people very frequently see a menacing shadowy figure lurking outside the window, their window or next to their bed. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting talking about the scent, the, the feeling of, of vulnerability and like very primitive 
like a very primitive sense of predator prey um, because one of the symptoms that is recorded that isn't talked about often, but it, it's, it's, it's spoken about enough where it's definitely a thing in accounts of alien abduction, especially when it's like um, in the home is when these people witness the gray aliens, when they see the aliens for the first time, they have a feeling that they're in the presence of a predator. And there's something that makes them feel like super vulnerable just beyond like, oh, that really sucks that there's this alien in my bedroom right now. Like they feel like they're in the presence of something that is um, deadly proficient. And I think that kind of, I think. I hate this. So much. Yeah. I, I, I think if we're, if we're sticking entirely for the moment to the idea that this is an entirely physiological phenomenon, mm -hmm. I think that speaks to the idea of like when you are so hyper aware and you are so hyper vigilant and you're like just out of your mind with fear, um, you might attach if you if you're imagine that you're seeing this thing, you would. It, it's not that the thing is generating this sense of fear. It's that you are already in this heightened state that when you think you see this thing, you're like, that's mm -hmm. what's doing it. Yeah, that's well, you're projecting what you expect, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is one of the things about about shadow people that kept coming up in the in the like two pieces of research that I did uh, was that shadow people really became a thing in the um, cultural imaginary from an episode of Coast to Coast with, with Art Bell, right? Oh, well, yeah. well, just blame Art Bell and George Norrie for this. Like we've blamed everything else on them. It's his it's fault. All fault. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, but what, I, what I'm saying is uh, you had an initial story on it that a lot of people heard and then all of a sudden you start to get tons of reports, right? Which I'm not saying that's definitely what, that's definitely the case. It could be the case that they hear this and they're saying, oh, I experienced that too. And then say, yeah. oh, whatever, that could also be the case. But what I'm saying is, you know, one of the ways you could think about it or could explain it is by saying once these um, tropes sort of get cemented in the cultural consciousness, when you're in these sort of altered states, like in a panic attack or like in sleep paralysis or whatever, or mm -hmm. having a night terror, um, these tropes, you actually project them on patterns that you're seeing. Your brain yes. fills in the rest, right? And then all of a sudden uh, you, get, um, you get waves of people seeing the same thing because not only are um, they sort of scaring each other with it, but they're actually experiencing it in yeah. these in these states that lots of people experience, lots of people ex experience sleep paralysis, right? But like only a certain sub subset experience the hat man or experience like alien abduction mm -hmm. or shadow people in general or whatever. I think that has a lot to do with like what we expect to see is what we will see. Like I just had a dream last night um, about two different things I was watching. Like I was watching videos about people ruining freshly poured cement and I was watching uh, <laughs> videos about, uh, uh, you know, the TV show 60 Days In where they watch like uh, prisoners in um, a jail and how they like survive in jail. And it was basically like there was a musical occurring and I was helping choreograph it and they had to like do these foot swipes in freshly poured cement. So like things that I'm experiencing, things I'm thinking about, you know, they come into like the dream, the dream thoughts. Yeah. But it could be the case that these entities have metaphysical existence 
apart yes. from apart from our own altered states of consciousness. Yes. With that, can we take a two minute break for me to pee? Yes, I want to. I want to. I want to grab a bottle of water from my excellent from my refrigerator. My All right, man, I'm so worked up right now. So um, I, I forget, I don't know if it was in Dark Intrusions or the terror that comes in the night, but one of the creepier accounts that I came across was it wasn't just like, oh, I woke up and there was a terrifying man in the corner of my room, which is, it sucked. That is terrifying. Um, but there was an account of someone who they woke up and they were sleeping on their side, facing away from the door. And they had this sense that there was someone standing in the doorway. So right there, not a good time. And then they heard it walk across the room to their bed and climb into bed with them. And then they said they had this overwhelming sense of like loathing. Not like, I mean, yes, they were rightfully terrified, but they were also like, this is disgusting. And then they said, whatever this thing was, was like this person said like whatever it was in the bed next to them it was like it just couldn't it was like it couldn't get comfortable which sounds like kind of silly but fucking think about that for a second imagine waking up in the middle of the night sensing that there's something in your room and then it climbs in the bed with you and it can't get comfortable and then <laughs> and then they said that the sense of loathing and dis- disgust became so much because this thing, when it finally got comfortable, it put its arm over them. And then oh. they, they started to scream. And what woke them up finally was when this thing screamed back. And when they, oh, came, no. oh, and, no. and when they came to, there was nothing in the room. Oh, I hate that. No. <laughs> um, that's so... Scary, and they but like that's what's even more terrifying is like the thing that you're imagining or like the thing that you're experiencing. It's hard to think that that's just sleep paralysis when it seems like it has a personality and it's acting like of its own free will. Like you don't want it to do what it's doing, and it's touching you. That's what that's what makes that the thing that makes this account that account so unsettling to me. Aside from the obvious, is that like everything when we talk about shadow people and the Hat Man. We had we just had that conversation about like sleep paralysis and how it triggers these very primal feelings of fear and panic. And I'm like, okay, I'm on board with that. But what this account made clear was that there was also like annoyance and disgust, which is not something you would associate with something trying to right. kill you. Uh, like that that's what made that account so like, what the fuck was it then? Like it was either an extremely vivid nightmare. Or I don't want to go down that road and talk, think about what it, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like that. And it, that's such a uniquely frightening experience too. Like the fact that it started screaming back at them is like, what the fuck? So shadow people. So you just talked about a really weird, like actually kind of exceptional case. Yeah. Of shadow. Usually when people see shadow people, it is like, a guy like an outline of a person in the corner or something sort of emerging from their closet or whatever. Right. Or something standing in the hallway. That's, that's like the typical account, right? Yep. So is Hatman, um, 
like one species within the you know genus of shadow people uh well there's from from what i there's 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 essentially three three common shapes there's your basic humanoid shape which is like roughly human and then there's like just sort of like amorphous barely humanoid uh like a like a i guess for lack of a better phrase would be like imagine a person that's literally cloaked in darkness so there's this darkness flowing off of them um and then there's the hat man so it's like th there seems to be these three archetypical forms that people are seeing when it comes mm -hmm. to um the shadow people and they could be they could be in in a lot of cases they could be sleep paralysis but because some people experience them when they're not in sleep paralysis that lends itself to the theory that these things are some sort of independent entity. Yep, in broad daylight nonetheless, which is important to note too. So what do we got? I mean, I'm guessing, you know, we should say interdimensional beings first. It's like one of my favorite words. Well, I think I, what I would want to know first is like, who is Patman? What's his motivations? Like, why is he bothering people trying to sleep? I don't think we can call it a him. I think it's safer to call it an it. And I know that sounds oh, like a making because it's I, hat man. I just thought it was a he. Whatever, whatever. If if these things are like external, independent entities that are not the fevered imagine the fevered imaginings of, of people, I, I think that they would go beyond any sense of like gender or sex because mm -hmm. there's never, that I've seen, there's never any impression that it's, a, a male figure. There's just an aura of, of um bad intent it's it's never this idea that it's a guy looking at me like hey how you doing it's like <laughs> it's just there there's something in this room that means that that is aware of how it's making me feel hmm. and it enjoys that it's making me feel uncomfortable <laughs> which some guys do um uh and it's again the big if if these things are um real in the sense that they're they are an objectively existing separate from the human mind entity i think they were they are wholly inhuman and i think they they go beyond any sort of like um classifications that we would we would apply to, to humanity okay um i wonder if that's the case i wonder if so i actually was listening to a uh podcast of this guy uh, it's a long story, but he was he was describing his encounter with an angel one time. Okay. And he said the angel appeared appeared or made the impression in his mind of being like sort of like two black triangles. And he and he had this like overwhelming sense of like there was this sense of intensity to it because it was so alien. Yeah. It was so inhuman. It wasn't less than human in the sense of like, uh, you know, something that therefore is like less dignified or something, but it definitely was not human. Right. It was, it was, it was, it was beyond. <laughs> it was something other. Yeah. Beyond it was beyond humanity. humanity. Uh, and I get the sense that these encounters with the uncanny, no matter what form they take, uh, can, trigger these really overwhelming feelings it's kind of like anytime you read any lovecraft right he's just like yeah the the geometry was non-euclidean don't know what that means but it's scary yeah <laughs> like 
Well, I mean, it, it also, when you, it, when, it, when it comes down to the feelings that we have when we see these things, it's like, you know, if you watch, if you watch uh, any, any horror movie that's like supernatural, like if you watch, let's say House, let's say the, 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 80, the, the William Cat movie House, um, people tend to overestimate how well they would deal with, with, with the truly inexplicable and the truly supernatural. Like if I go home tonight and as I'm walking up the stairs, um, let's just say that like uh, E.T. runs out of my bathroom howling and then dives on the stairs. If something, you know, if something like that happened to anyone, you would lose your fucking mind. Like (laughs) if, if like it, when you, when you encounter something that you like, I had a girl tell me that she was abducted by aliens and they had faces that looked like the feeling of two magnets with opposite poles trying to push them together. That doesn't make any sense to me. And yet I have goosebumps talking about it. Right. It's that is such an insane concept that I think when people encounter anything that they can't explain anything that exists outside their, like their realm of like comfort, I guess, when you see something that is truly supernatural, you just go fucking bananas. And it's going to trigger those like really deep responses. Yeah. Yeah. So again, going back to the way we originally framed it was your, your sort of feelings of terror make you project your expectations onto the external world. Well, now the flip side is it could be the case that what you're objectively seeing is invoking these feelings of like the uncanny, these feelings of danger, terror, these feelings of, of discomfort. Well, it's, 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 it's funny. You brought up the guy who said he was talking to an angel. That was the two black triangles. Like if you read the Bible, there's, there's examples where um, angels will uh, encounter people and they're like, behold, I'm an angel of the Lord. I come with a message. And they're like, what do you really look like? And the angel's like, you don't trust me. This is, this is fine. You don't want to go there. And then they're like, no, I want to say is don't be afraid. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, the accounts where they actually see angels, it's usually, like, and then they had the head of an ox and the other head of a giraffe. But, like, what, what they're really saying is, like, these people are seeing something that they just cannot explain. And it's, right. it, it drives them insane because they cannot comprehend what they're witnessing, which, again, is a very Lovecraftian thing. You see something that's, like, not necessarily so scary, but something that is so foreign and so alien that you're just, like, what the fuck am I seeing? And then your mind just, you just gone. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no, there's no language to describe it either. Cause it's so just not human. There's no, yeah. I mean, human beings don't have language to describe what is being encountered yeah. at that point. But in the case, so what's interesting is in the case of the hat man, have we adequately addressed the hat man's backstory for you, Melissa? I still don't understand his motivation. Like, I don't understand why he's there, That's what he's what we're up trying to. to. His motivation. Like, I, I is- completely understand he's, he's like, all, like, not all-knowing, but he's kind of just, like, this being beyond um, explanation and understanding. But I still don't know, like, like why. From what, 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 what I've gathered is that this is, this is going to sound like a cop-out, and it kind of is, but it's not me. Blame the people who talk about it. Mm-hmm. Is that this thing's motivation is to make you aware of its existence, and it's to make you understand that it's there and it's to make you feel afraid. And it, it, 
essentially feeds off those negative feelings. Like one of the reasons I stopped watching the Hatman documentary halfway through, I'm not going to lie. Like it did kind of scare me. It did kind of creep me out. But another reason was that like too many of the people that they were interviewing were too certain of what they were seeing. So let's and, talk about some of those. Let's talk about yeah, like, some but, of the what, 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 what I think, you know, just to, to, to answer the question of like, what are the motivations is, I think the best answer we can say is that like their motivations are beyond what we can really frame rationally, which is a cop out. I admit that. But as far as we know, he's just, or it's just here to upset us and to be like, I'm here. Like you now know about it. And that's all you can think about. Good night. You know what that reminds me of? Um, what people often say is the reason that aliens present themselves to them. Like I, there's many um, different accounts of like, you know, maybe even similar to like while they were sleeping, they were abducted or that like aliens came and were like, Hey, I'm an alien. Like, this is like, I'm going to show you around. Like, I feel like that's a similar explanation is that aliens came or, or, or gray men came and they just wanted to show you they exist, but you get this insider knowledge. Like you are special. You get to know all about like what's up with the aliens and what's up with hat man. Um, well, I, 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 that's I think, just what it reminded me of. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a reasonable, I mean, I, I think with aliens, a lot of times you hear the, these, these encounters and it's like, you have like the more benevolent versions like Whitley Strieber where the aliens were just like, calm down. It's going to be okay. We just want to let you know we're here. We've been watching your entire life. We're going to take you here. We're going to do this. This is what's going to happen. We're going to do A, B, C, and D. Then we're going to bring you back and we're going to come back for you. But then you have the stories of like uh, John Keel wrote about in the Mothman prophecies in um, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where a lot of times when people would see these, like the grinning man, or they would see like the men in black, it mm -hmm. seemed like these entities only real motivation. It wasn't like, we want to let you know we're here. Like we're here. It was more just like, like an annoying little kid, like I'm here and you fucking know it. And there's nothing you can do about it, <laughs> which, which is, it, it's, it, it sounds kind of like, like Hatman too. It, that's what I'm, that's, 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 that's my point is, is, mm -hmm. is like, it sounds silly until we really think about it. Like we don't know what these things are. And all we know is that they want us to know that we know they're there. And that's almost, that's like, that's what the Spinosaurus in Jurassic Park 3 did when they were at the, when William H. Macy turns around and it's at the other edge of the clearing watching them and it waited for them to see it before it attacked them. And that sounds silly, but that's what it, that's what it's like. It's, it's, it's like, they, they can't just, like, these things could very easily go amongst us unnoticed. And they don't. They make it a point to let us know we're there, that they're, they're there. And it, it's like, we either try to anthropomorphize, anthropomorphize them or we just admit like, we don't know what they're up to. We don't know what their motivations are. Their motivations, again, I keep coming back to this. It might just be to be like, we are injecting ourselves into your life and now your life is all about us because that's all you're going to think about all day. <laughs> so they're gaslighting people. That's yeah. left yeah. and right. I was going to say, it's it like bad yeah. mind trick. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. well like, that sounds even worse than what i thought well <laughs> and the thing is like you know presumably like they under they would understand that you don't have the plausibility structures to actually believe that they're real right without yeah. without a more 
And so it is that sort of like Lovecraftian moment of like being driven to the brink of sanity because you've seen something that you can't account for. And like, let's just please, like, please believe that this is something that can happen in sleep paralysis or something, or I just, you know, like, you know, it's just like, you're searching for that, um, that natural explanation. Um, yeah. a lot, but the thing is like a lot of people resist that explanation, which I find wild. Cause anytime anything creepy happens to me, I instantly try to explain it away as something, uh, that can be accounted for rationally and doesn't have to be, uh, like have any sort of agency outside of the physical world. Right. And to me, it, it's wild to me that anybody would resist that if they were offered that way out of believing something. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, for me, it's either total ignorance in which I forget that the thing ever happened or I want to know exactly what the thing is and why it happened. There's no, there's no, there's no halfway. There's no like, well, it was an alien. I'm just going to leave it at that. I just want, it's, I don't need to know yeah. what the alien wanted. It's like, you either need to wipe my mind free and erase that thing from happening or tell me you know, which fucking planet on Zeta Reticula these things came from, you know, which, who's, you know, which is it, the, is the greys, the great class C's, is the reptilians, <laughs> you know, it's either total ignorance or I want to know everything about what they are. Right. Well, so some of the explanations like that were in the Hatman documentary, I mean, the first one is like, to me, the most obvious one is like demonic entities. Okay. Right. So, people um people sort of being attacked by by demons or being visited by demons or demons sort of infesting people's lives right and i mean that's just where my mind goes as a theology major um but uh and, and it's a common explanation that people believe right i i think just the the feeling of fear that these people experience you know no matter because if this happens to a person from let's say like a, like a muslim background they're going to say it's either demons or it's like gin, like the D-J-I-N-N. Um, so I, I, I think with that, like you said, because you come from like a theology background, it, that might just be your background in printing upon the experience. No, what I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying is it's, it's the most obvious to me because that's how I think about things right? Yeah. I'm not saying that's going to be the most obvious to everybody. If somebody is like really, really obsessed with UFO phenomenon, they're going to think that they're being visited by some sort of extraterrestrial entity or ultra ultra terrestrial or ultra terrestrial. See that I was waiting for that one. Yeah. We'll get to that because that's the one that's the most interesting. Um, But for me or for a lot of people, you know, I grew up in South Carolina. Most people are religious in some way or at least pay lip service to it. And um, you know, might not believe in aliens or, or demon or aliens or whatever, but might believe in angels and demons. Uh, but the nice thing about that is that there's a, there's a tradition and there's a structure in place to deal with it. Yes. There's been thousands of years of people theorizing about what demons are, how to take care of them. There's the development of exorcism rights. There's different sort of strategies and things to get these things out of your life. And I think that also can help people find a sense of meaning and structure when they experience these things. Absolutely. This reminded me of um, Incubus and Succubus, um, yes. which so atta- like are, demons. yes, exactly. That's why I thought this was relevant. Um, because one thing that doing research based on sleep paralysis, which 
I think for some people, they may not classify what they experience as sleep paralysis. So I'm just saying these are similar like experiences that could be um, thought of by other people to explain other things like being visited by a demon like we've been talking about. Um, but as this article states, um, interpretations of the experience of sleep paralysis include um, alien abduction, paranormal events, or sometimes physical and sexual assaults which I think relates to incubus and succubus because I think incubus is the male that visits a female yes. or male that would visit a person um, to feed on them and like have sex with you and take energy from you. And a succubus is a female entity that comes to you and does a similar thing. So fun fact. Uh, You're a huge incubus fan. I knew it. No, uh, <laughs> actually not. Uh, fun fact. A lot of uh, demonologists, believed back in the day that demons could not produce their own semen so what they would do in order to in order to uh, create offspring is they would visit a man as a succubus and and have sex with him and suck his semen up into the demon and then transform into an incubus and go have sex with a woman and then that child would be of demonic offspring Wow, I, I, what a I, way I, to explain out of wedlock yeah, intercourse. <laughs> I believe it. I mean, it's, it's, it's just very interesting that people were theorizing it that way. And then the very first UFO case that you get with, um, with uh, the first abduction case with um, Betty and Barney Hill. <laughs> I say. They're, they are extracting semen and eggs out of them. There there was a case in South America that preceded them by about 20 years in which a farmer was abducted by aliens, Vilas Boas, and he also claimed that a beautiful woman uh, did sex with him and, and you know, sapped his vitality. Well, even better, even better. Yeah. So, so my point is that all of these sort of abduction or, or like, like, like intrusion style things, there's like also a, a real sort of anxiety in about sexuality wrapped up in them too not just incubus and succubus but also uh ufo abductions the sort of popular kind of image of ufo abductions like from i mean betty and barney hill is the sort of paradigmatic case for the way that that the the american imaginary is for it is that like they're going to put some contraptions on you and like suck out as much reproductive stuff as they can and they're going to go you know experiment with it you know it's like it's like a different level of violation you know yeah and like with and like with the with the betty and barney hill stuff it's like not even like they're taking pleasure in it it's not even like they're sort of like enjoying it it's like a purely like um kind of objective scientific experimental thing right yeah which it makes it become this slab of meat you know? yeah you, you're you're an animal that they're experimenting on which is it's you're they're you know, part of the horror that these people experience when it becomes the alien abductions is that they're being reduced to the same way we would view like a rat or a monkey or a beagle in a lab. Like, yeah. you know, their agency is being taken away from them and they are now, instead of, you know, dignified beings, they're just like lab subjects, which is frightening as hell. What's the next possible explanation? Uh, I think we could also go on to, um, it's, it's also worth noting that um, culturally, 
it, there's there's also the idea of like and i think this might just be like a subset of demons there's also um i think melissa brought it up with the the hag um there's the the idea that these things are like trickster spirits um but the one that i think is most interesting and 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 scariest to me is that these things are ultra terrestrials these things are beings from a uh higher or parallel dimension that are brushing up against our dimension and um that's why a lot of times these things they they there's this weird paradox of like they can walk through walls and doors which suggests almost like a gaseous vapor state, but then like the times that they'll sit on the bed or the few times that they'll touch people, they definitely have a sense of weight. Like they're these people, they talk about when these things touch them, they have this like rubbery feeling where it doesn't feel like flesh. It feels like, uh, like, like plastic or like clammy rubber. Um, and again, that ties in with the whole, like the, the loathing of like, Ugh. I'm being touched by like, so um, the idea of it of them being ultra terrestrials is um, is tempting, but it also raises the question of like, what are they doing? You know, like it, it, you know, why, what are they? Uh, what is to be gained? Because they don't often do anything besides like freak people out and. Yeah, it's it's cool to be like, oh, they, they just want us to know they're there. But it's also sort of like, I think it just kind of like kicks the ball further downfield. Well, maybe. But also, what if, um, so I'm not saying I believe this, but what if um, human beings have um, a spiritual existence that that is, um, uh, that transcends the physical? Okay. But we have sort of like um, really worked to ignore or suppress those senses. Okay. Right. And when, when we don't or when, when sort of things slip up or when, or even when we begin to cultivate those senses again, um, things from those higher dimensions um, that we might uh, touch, but not be exist in, yeah, right? things from those higher dimensions can manifest or do manifest, and that's actually more natural than our current sort of modern existence, right? Yeah, but I, the the thing with that is like, um, and maybe I'm just like uh, splitting hairs here, but the like the whole like shadowy humanoids, I could see that. Like, I could see there being some sort of like. Uh, from beyond scenario where like uh, suddenly we notice these things that are constantly sharing the same space with us. And what's creepier is that they're noticing us. Yeah. Why is he wearing a hat though? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why is he got a, why is he got like a Hamburg hat? Like, or why do they have a Hamburg hat? Um, Well, what's interesting is like, so have you watched Hellier? I have not. No. Okay, you really need to. I think you would really, I think, well, first of all, I think it would make you really upset. Of course it would. Everything uh, makes me upset. And I think it would make you a little bit crazy, but I would love to talk to you after you finish it. One of the experiments they did on there was they actually induced a, 
abduction experience in someone through hypnosis and the um uh the sort of theory behind it was that in abduction experiences it's just as much about what's going on in your brain as it is about what's going on on the outside world and one of the theories and i think john keel wrote some stuff about this is that when interdimensional beings manifest it's like a they appear to you in a form that you are ready to see yeah right so you think <gasps> about you think about mothman what is that sorry i was having a revelation if they're appearing to us as hat people yes Oh, oh, sorry. We, we yeah, have, we revelation. Have, we kind of have like the phenomenological and epistemological structures to be able to recognize that and also know that it's not natural. It's not just an everyday thing. It is this being manifesting itself in some way. But like, you know, what? Nothing. I'm like, hmm, what? What is human? Oh, hats. Yeah. Hats. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting though because if you think about like the Men in Black, for example. So some of the theories about the Men in Black is that they're like humanoid, but they're not human. It's almost like it's almost like somebody got a hold of some caricature of like what what a person is supposed to be like. Yes. But but like isn't actually human or isn't actually enculturated, in the sense of like they're speaking in really weird language. They're, they're emphasizing things like I'll be here for exactly 45 minutes. Like, don't worry. Let me get some, some soda. And it's just like, it's just like something's off. Something's super yeah. It, it's like, it, it's like, it's like something read a very detailed book on how it was to act like a person. And they had it down 99% of the time. Yeah. And then, uh, but they don't quite pull it off. And it's just right. enough to know that like, um, like, for example, one of the creepier parts in the um, Richard Gere, Laura Linney classic, The Mothman Prophecies, was when, uh, what's, oh, what's his name? Oh, the guy in that movie, you know, th- that actor, the guy. He was in Armageddon. Um, yeah. eh, he's a guy. Anyway, he's, looking it up. He's, he's, talking about, um, he's talking about how, you know, okay, so we've all seen The Mothman Prophecies. I haven't no, seen it yet. I haven't okay. seen it. You haven't seen it? Oh my God. So no, I've done tons of research on the Mothman, but I've never seen the movie. So, okay. So there's this one scene in the movie where Richard Gere shows up at this guy's house in the middle of the night because his car breaks down and the guy's like, you son of a bitch. And he like, pulls in the house with a fucking gun and he's like, you've come to my house like the past three nights. At, Are like, you talking about Gordon Smallwood or Will, Will Patton? Will Patton. Will Patton. Will Patton. Gordon Smallwood's his character. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, Anyway, when he's telling Laura Linney's character about this, he's like, yeah, this guy just showed up at my door and I just didn't trust him. And she's like, what do you mean you didn't trust him? He's like, he just didn't look right. And she's like, well, what didn't look right about him? He's like, well, you know, there was just something off about him. And that's, that's, how, that's how people often describe yeah. um, encounters with the men in black, where it's right. like you're looking at something that is, has a human mask that is almost perfect, but you can see the seams. Right. Yeah. 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 But, but it's more like you can feel the seams or you can sense the same. Right. So it's like, it's like, it's like the presentation, like physically that's a human, but like in terms of the energy or the aura or the, or, or what's sort of how they carry themselves or the demeanor. Yeah. It's, it's it's strange. It's setting off some alarm bells. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my point is just that, um, you know, if, 
if you buy the interdimensional sort of hypothesis or if you're a, a neoplatonic christian metaphysician like me and think that there's a stratification of spiritual worlds <laughs> that interact with our own then you could think that same or similar entities or different kinds of entities can manifest in bunches of different ways right so stuff like the men in black stuff like extraterrestrial stuff like mothman stuff like black the hat man the black-eyed kids the all Dover demon the Dover, yeah, a lot of cryptids and stuff like that. Like, I'm not saying they're all definitely connected, but what I am saying is it seems like a lot of them have a very similar kind of flavor to the extent where you could you could hypothesize what if there were an entity or a certain group of entities that some people have called demons, some people have called angels, some people have called whatever, fae, fairy people, whatever, that are manifesting in various different forms based on the expectations of the experiencers. Yeah, it's this idea that there are these things that exist separately from us. They exist on a different wavelength than us. And they are as much, they are objectively separate beings as much as they are what we bring to that experience. So they're existing and we exist as like receivers. So right. we're seeing this, this, these beings, um, they're existing on their own. But when we see them, we're sort of like transferring our own expectations and our own perceptions onto them. Well, they're, they're, they're filtered through our expectations. Yes. It's, it's, almost, <laughs> it's almost like the issue of the Silver Surfer when it's revealed that Galactus isn't a fucking humanoid. He is what, whatever race of, who live on the planet he's about to eat. Whatever they expect to see that's what he, that's what they see. So we see Galactus as a giant man, where it's like if he showed up to a planet that was about to eat, like when he ate the planet that the symbiotes that fucking possessed Eddie Brock were on, they saw a giant weird blob monster. Because yeah. that is how a being that transcends who you are, that right. transcends humanity and exists outside of what we experience as this reality, when we see that, we're sort of like filtering it It, it's it's almost like I think I think you and I had this conversation about this. The best way I can describe it is there's a scene in the novel It when yes. when the kids they go to the, it's the first time they all encounter it and it comes out of this fucking sewer drain and one character says like oh it just looked like a blob of like orange silver shifting and another kid said like I it, it would like take a shape for a second and then move away. And then one kid yelled, it's the, it's the Teenage Werewolf, the Michael Landon movie. And then as soon as he said that, it just locked into, the, into that because they were all seeing that. So I, I think similarly, if these things are these extra dimensional ultra terrestrial beings, they don't have a form in this realm per se. Right. They have like a projection that the projection exists and then we see the projection and we think, oh shit, like I would see, I don't know, the aliens from fire in the sky or like something else that like I expect to see, like a gray alien of some right. sort. Whereas like my grandmother who was deeply religious, she might see an angel or she might see like a Western perception of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, it really, it really all like, well, it's just that their, their manifestation in three-dimensional space doesn't exhaust what they are. 
right? No, no. It is a manifestation of them or it is caused by them or something like that. Yeah. But it, but it's not, it, it, it doesn't grasp at the essence of what the, it's good Kantian philosophy, right? It's not the thing. Yeah. That, yeah. It's no. like, it, it's like, it's, it, it's like, um, I, I guess the, the, it's like, it, it's like there's a signal that exists that is just floating around out there in the ether. And then when a receiver picks it up, Oh shit, it's the fucking new psychedelic furs record. But like, <laughs> but until that receiver picks it up and translates it, it's just noise in the ether right. that, you know, it exists. It's there. It, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a separately existing thing, but it doesn't take on the form that we can perceive it as until it's filtered through a receiver. But in the case of the shadow people, we are the receivers. We're the so, antennas that are picking up on these things. So I have a question then. Are they sending more of a message and we're just picking up a piece of it and that piece is the thing that we fear most, like, most typically that what we see is something that terrifies us. Is there a broader message and we're missing some of it um, and we're just able to see that terrifying part? Um, and if so, like what else could be there? And, there and the reason I thought of that is because it reminded me like as we're, you were talking about this more, um, you know, when you were referencing it, it reminded me of the Bogarts in Harry Potter. Like they just represent what you're most afraid of in front of you. Um, and maybe that's what shadow people are. It could be. I mean, it could be, it could be, like I said before, where it's like, we notice, like we suddenly become attuned to this other reality. We notice them. They notice us noticing them. And it might be the way that like, um, not to dumb it down, but like, they might be playing with us, you know, it might be amusing for them to be like, Oh, these, like these three dimensional uh, insects, they're aware of our existence. Like we know they're afraid of this. They're seeing us as this, let's just fuck with them. And then just, you know, I mean, we don't know. Like it, it's, okay. it's, it, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's a really, there's a really great scene in, uh, in the Mothman prophecies where, uh, a character is explaining to Richard Gere about these things. Like um, he's like, they know we're here and they know that we know they're here. And Richard Gere is like, well, why don't they bother to communicate to us? And his, his answer is like, well, you know that the cockroach knows you're there. Are you going to try to explain yourself to a cockroach? Like why waste your, like you don't deem, you don't deem that intelligence worthy of explaining yourself to. So for all we know, these things are just like, why would I bother explaining myself to a person? Like what, what is there to be gained on my end by talking to them when instead it's just kind of funny to fuck with them. Right. Although that's, although admittedly that's sort of like giving them a sense of humor is like humanizing them in a way that's like, it's a fallacious logic, but I don't fucking know. So we've got demons extraterrestrials ultra terrestrials anything else or is that i think i think honestly i think we've covered the metaphysics pretty well yeah i'd say we okay. have. so i will say let me just say one thing that occurred to me about sleep paralysis and it occurred to me uh as i was listening to a podcast called i think it's called the monster guys and they were sort of talking about this they were talking about how and this is in John Keel's account of the Mothman, how the Mothman, when he would appear, would inspire these feelings of dread or feelings of, of 
depression. Yeah. Feelings of despair and hopelessness, feelings of fear, panic. And it sounded very similar to the feelings that you experience in sleep paralysis. Yes. Right. And as someone who has experienced it at least once, I can say it, it does feel that way. Um, and what it got, <clears throat> so, so you're, you're in the presence of an ultra terrestrial being and it has the possibility of inspiring this kind of feeling. What if sleep paralysis, what if the feelings, it could be the case that the feelings, I, this is just like this thing that occurred to me and it, and it freaked me out. Okay. What, what if, what if the terror in sleep paralysis is actually inspired by a real ultra terrestrial being that's there with you in that moment? Well, what's interesting is that I know I've read a couple of things that say that shadow people or the hat man either like manifests in a space where there's like intense negative negativity or like some sort of, you know, familial conflict within a home. So like, but the question is like, does it manifest when that's already present or does it inspire those like that those feelings of intense negativity or like cause tension between like people within a certain space? Yeah. Well, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is there's a certain state that you can account for. The state is right. That your muscles are paralyzed, but your brain is awake. Like we, you know, presumably we know how that works. But yeah, and, it could be it could be that in that state you're actually more you're you're more tuned in to this ultra dimensional reality and you're actually experiencing the affective component of that in your panic. Right? It could be. It could Similarly, be Similarly. I, I don't think I don't think it actually is, but the thought occurred to me and I got really freaked out. I mean, similarly, like one of the theories behind why fear is such a prevalent component in sleep paralysis is like are you triggered into this like you know fight flight freeze uh hyper arousal um you know just experience because you can't move and that's you're already like off guard and you can't protect yourself so your mind goes into that protective state um, but your body's not able to or is it because of the content? So like what you're actually seeing. So I think that applies the same thing with you, what you were saying, Jake, like, is it because of the physical experience of sleep paralysis that, that triggers the fear? Or is it because of what you're seeing and experiencing external, like ex quote unquote externally, because the hallucinations do feel like they're coming from the external. Yeah. Uh, it, it's worth noting that there are instances in which, um, encounters with these things um you know if we're gonna go in like a broad john keelian uh arena there's the infamous uh what was the guy's name the injured cold encounter yeah where oh, I, I feel like such a fucking poser for not knowing the guy's name now Berger. yes the first thing that injured cold told him was don't be afraid uh I come from a planet that's not as powerful as yours or some weird phrasing that was like, this thing doesn't know what it's saying, but it's trying to reassure us. And likewise, you know, when I, I spoke earlier about like Whitley Strieber's encounter, the thing that that sticks, sticks with me about the Strieber encounter is that he was losing his mind and out of terror, rightfully so. 
And one of these aliens just like sat him down, sat in front of him and was like, what can we do to, 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 to help you stop screaming? So I think that. Stop screaming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so I think, but I mean like when he said that, it was like, he said it wasn't like a threat. It was like literally like, you know, what can we do to help? Um, so I, I think if we're going to include aliens and whatever John Keel encountered in the broad category of ultra terrestrials and interdimensional beings that may or may not be involved with the shadow people, I think these things are aware of the reaction that they inspire in us. And I think that they, some of them are willing to um, address that and make us feel as close to comfortable as close to comfortable as we can in the presence of, you know, right. actual gods. Uh, right. So, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. It, it's like, there is the, there is the idea of like the human reaction seems to be this like gut clenching fear, but at the same time, there are instances where these things are almost willing to be like, uh, for no real reason, they have no reason to benefit. They just don't want us to feel afraid. So, yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's a curious fact and I have hmm. tweezers. Yeah. Do they care about us? Uh, I think Is that some what them, you're saying. I think some of them might, I think some of them might feel like a weird paternal sense. Um, I mean, and not, and not just like out of like, uh, you know, the claw to uh, the day the earth sits still like, you know, paternalistic thing. I, I think there might be like a, a genuine compassion of like, I understand this is stressful on you and I understand that this really sucks for you. Um, and I, this just dawned on me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they're just as afraid of us as we are of them. So maybe they're just like, let's calm down. Let's just get it done. And just fucking, I mean, there is an instance of that like anyone who follows me on Instagram knows a few months ago, I was obsessed with the Muscanet Kong river mantis man, which was a cryptid over in New Jersey where this guy claimed he saw a giant praying mantis in the river. And the thing he said that was most startling about it, I mean, aside from the fact that a fucking nine-foot praying mantis just appeared next to him, was that when he looked over at it and they made eye contact, he had this distinct feeling that it was just as surprised that he could see it as he was, like, as he was afraid of it. So, like, you have this idea that, like, you look over and you see this thing and you're both like, holy shit! And then, like, you're panicking and it's panicking and that just makes it that much weirder. So... I think that in some cases there might be these entities that do have a sense of at least basic consideration for us in the same way that like, uh, you know, I don't actively want anything to die. And if I have to like, you know, if I have like a mouse infestation, I don't want the mice to die. I just want it to be over for them as quick as possible. I don't want anything to suffer. So I think there may be times when these things are just like, we don't want you to be any stressed out than you have to be. So we're going to make this quick. We're going to do what we can. And other times there are ones that are actively encouraging these feelings of, um, you know, like you said, the, the, the feeling of stress and, and high, high fear because of like familial, uh, like pe parents fighting and stuff like that. Although again, that raises the question is that, are those negative feelings of like stress and depression are they causing these things to appear or are these things manifesting and making your parents fight are they making you lose sleep is it their presence that when we can't see them are they there all the time 
Um, there was another account in one of these many books that I've read where in broad daylight, uh, this woman wrote how when she was a little girl, her and her sister were playing in their playroom and she was like, all right, we got to go, like, go downstairs for dinner. Like, let's start cleaning up. And her little sister wouldn't move, didn't immediately do it. And she was like, what are you doing? And the sister pointed at the door. And when the girl turned to look, she could see the silhouette of a man, like, leaning in the door, in the doorway, like, watching them. And then they were just like, well, we can't leave because he's there. We can't walk by him. And eventually it just went back in the doorway and they were like, we're getting the fuck out of here. Like, there's, I don't know. Like there's 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 no real explanation for that aside from like I, I, it, it went on that this you know the parents were fighting there was so the, hmm. maybe that's why this thing was there but it's like I don't know I guess I I think we can all say where we've landed I guess what we think it is if that if you guys want to do that or not okay. we don't have to. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I'll be upfront and honest and say I, I'm I'm still inclined to believe that it is some sort of sleep paralysis connected phenomenon, and mm-hmm. I do think it is like an entirely internal physiological phenomenon. But I want to believe in everything else we talked about, and I say that not as like like some sort of like asshole fedora wearing skeptic atheist, but like. I do want to believe that there is a, um, uh, that, you know, that line that like they always say like about Hamlet, or there's more to, you know what I'm talking about, Shakespeare, there's more to heaven and earth, Horatio. Yeah. Like, um, and also I, I cannot emphasize that just because I think it is a physiological mental state, I don't think that makes it any less existentially horrifying. Yeah. Yes. I think things beyond explanation, like in what feels like waking reality, um, can be extraordinarily terrifying. Yes. Um, even regular dreams, which we know aren't real, can be terrifying and yeah. haunt us in our when we're awake. Um, and I just can't imagine how real it must feel. Um, yeah, and I, I do think the experience and everything that's experienced is real, and I don't know how you go about, like, dealing with that once you've experienced that, or even those people who live with those experiences their entire life and maybe that makes them more inclined to think that they you know are something external um or that they you know who knows what they think that is um but yeah i I think it's sleep paralysis um combined with having expectations about what you think um something scary is and also what you think or what what your knowledge is about like aliens and other supernatural phenomena. I think those really influence each other. And if you tend to have like an anxiety, an anxious personality, or if you have other sleep disorders, um, I I mean, it just seems like a perfect storm. Anna Marie, what do you think? (sighs) Well, um, part of me really just wants to like, go full molder and be like yeah they're they're ultra terrestrials (laughs) and that like something like is triggered in the brain during sleep paralysis to kind of like open up these senses to allow us to see (laughs) these these ultra terrestrial beings why are you shaking your head because i fucking hate it (laughs) yeah because it it sounds likely you know (laughs) I'm I'm with you on that. Just because I'm a skeptic doesn't mean that that shit doesn't terrify. The thought of it doesn't like 
<laughs> so, it's the plot of From Beyond by H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> that's what happens in that. That's it. So that's it. That's okay. It. All right. <laughs> so here's the thing. So unlike unlike Justin, I actually don't want to believe that that these that that Hatman or Shadow people or whatever are objective entities that are um, that that stand apart from us. Um, I don't want to believe that because then I would have to think that they're real and I don't want to. That said, I, I, I mean, I really just don't know because when you hear people's experiences, um, it's hard to say, right, okay, that was sleep paralysis. And they say, no, it wasn't sleep paralysis. Like I was awake. And you say, yeah. no, and you say, no, no it, it's, it, it's sleep paralysis. Trust me. It's like, no. I was awake. Like, how can you tell somebody that, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. especially like, you know, anyways, my, my point is just, I just think that human experience is so wide and, and diverse that I don't, I, I can't, and I haven't had an experience with hat man or shadow people or something like that. So you I will just, tonight. Yeah. <laughs> would. So you that, called them out. They're going to come get you. That, oh, thanks. Um, it, so I just like, don't, I don't think that I can come down anywhere on it. I mean, it, I do think that sleep paralysis is real and terrifying and, and, um, and, but also like after I learned about it, it was a lot less of a problem mm-hmm. a sense of, you know, when, when I've experienced it again, it was like, okay, I know what this is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's where I land is like, I don't know. Yeah. And I think I like what you said about like not being able to interpret it for other people. Like this is my interpretation as like someone who's never experienced sleep paralysis and who has been able to, you know, read up about it and watch documentaries about it. Um, but I can only imagine like if I experience that, like I think it would feel so real. I don't blame any of those people or even like judge them for thinking that it's one thing or another because I mean we wouldn't know until I guess tonight when we're all gonna have our sleep paralysis experiences (laughs) damn it god damn it stop it Melissa um yeah all right well thank you Justin for joining thank you for having me this was so much fun this was great this was a really good conversation I learned so much I agree and uh, so I'll just flag this one thing before we go. When, when Justin and I and Anne Marie, I don't think you were there, Melissa. When we originally discussed possible topics for this uh, episode, are you going to talk about the alien mutilations? Yes, there were two possibilities. One was that, and one was uh, Hatman sleep paralysis stuff, and this Hatman sleep paralysis stuff was like the less intense and less scary <laughs> one. I actually was so wound up after our conversation when we when we did this that uh, uh, when we were floating these ideas, I was so wound up after it that like I couldn't go to bed after we, uh, after we talked. So we'll have to have you back later to do that subject. Hell yes, I am so down <laughs> to scare myself out of a good night's sleep. Awesome.
All right, Josh, we got to do this ad. We got to come up with something. What do we want people to know about Cinepunks? I don't know, man. I feel like they should know everything about Cinepunks. <sighs> All right. We're underachieving overachievers convinced that we know a thing or two about movies. Romance and adventure by the light of the silver screen. Is non judgmental movie criticism a thing? Not really, but we love you anyway. We love cinema, whether it's high art or low trash. Cinepunks, we're elitists, but only about real nerd shit. Liam and Josh, we have two microphones and the truth.